0: of the pastors here at Focus. And and today we are in our extended summer series called Name Droppers. Name Droppers. What we're doing is we're learning from people in scripture to prepare us for our future. Because I believe this with everything inside of me. I don't just say this on a Sunday. I believe it with everything inside of me is that God cares more about your future than he does about your past. And he wants to be able to provide for you. A future that is exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever imagine. That's what he has planned for you. I believe it with everything inside of me because that's what scripture teaches us. He said the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and give you a pair sauce kind of life. Exceedingly, abundantly more than you could ever imagine. That's the plan that God has for us. And so what we're doing is we're going to prepare for that future that God has for us. So we're going to learn from their past to prepare us for our future. Now, let me ask you this question. Have you ever ever been someplace that impacted you just as much as somebody? That someplace impacted you just as much as somebody? Just this summer, uh, my wife and I and my family, we got to go on on an extended uh, sabbatical or summer sabbatical. And I just want to say thank you so much. To, all, to our church for providing that for us, and to all of our, our pastors for making sure that things were just going amazingly well. It's such a, a wonderful time for, for me and my family to be able to recharge and go forward. And what we did during the sabbatical this year is that we took our boys on, on their very first camping experience. We went tent camping. Come on, somebody. On a side note, uh, if anybody wants a tent, I have one available for you. <laughs> God, man, I, this body is not made to be sleeping on the ground anymore. I'll tell you what, man. I love, I love being able to be outside, and, and I love the comforts of a shower and a bed. Can I get an amen on that one, right? That's what I'm talking about. Uh, but we, we took them to a place that, that truly did impact us on a big level. We had such a great time. We went up to uh, northern Arizona and southern Utah, and we went to Zion National Park. Gorgeous area. Gorgeous area. And and there's a lot of big walls that you see. There's a picture of my wife and and our boys. And and where we're standing in this moment is we're standing on this hike called the Narrows. The river that flows through Zion National Park is, is the Virgin River, and it cuts through the park. And when I say that it cuts through, it literally cuts through. Because there's a lot of sandstone that is at Zion National Park, and the Virgin River has cut a section out. It's cut a section out of of the area that you walk the river because from wall to wall, big wall to big wall is the river. There's no no banks that you're walking on, you're just hiking the river. It was fantastic, it was glorious to be able to see these towering walls 500 to 2,000 feet and you're just looking at the majesty of God. It's wonderful. It impacted us on a tremendous level. And today we're going to look at an individual, his name is Paul. And Paul had a lot of travels. Paul went from city to city. He went from countryside to countryside, and he was impacted by the places that he went. He wasn't only impacted by the places that he went. He was impacted by the people that he experienced while he was in those places. Today, we're going to look at this individual, and we're going to look at how he was impacted by the city of Philippi. He was impacted so much that later on in his life, that he is incarcerated, he's in prison, and he begins to write letters to all of these places and people that have impacted him. He writes a letter to them to encourage them and to instruct them and to teach them because they had such an impact in his life. And these letters are called epistles. And so when you look at the New Testament, there are these letters that we call epistles, and an epistle is just simply a letter written by an apostle. And the first one one that we're gonna look at today is the, the letter of Philippians. We're going to look at Philippians, and Paul starts it right here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. He says this, I thank my God. Come on, somebody. Anybody get to a place where you just, I just thank my God. I'm not, I'm not trying to thank God. I'm thanking my God. Come on now. I'm thanking my God. Because I don't know about you, but I serve a personal <laughs> Jesus. I serve a personal God who cares about me. That he loved me so much that he sent his one and only son. That when you serve Jesus, you serve a personal God. Amen. He loves you. I thank my God. Come on, somebody. Anybody get excited about that? It's my God. He loves me and cares about me. So Paul says, I thank my God. What does he thank of God for? Every time I remember you. Anybody have anybody like that in their life? Or you're just so thankful that they're a blessing into your life? Anybody got the exact opposite of that? Lord, help that person. I'm not thanking you because of them. I I feel like you have called them into my life because I need to help them, right? But no, this is the kind of people that have impacted him. And he's thanking God because of them. Why is he thanking God because of these people? Because in all my prayers of you, I always pray with joy because because of your partnership in the gospel. That's the body of believers. That we partner together. You're not on this journey alone. This this faith journey that God has for you, you're not in this alone. That you have people around you that can help you and guide you when you need help. They can celebrate with you when your time of celebration comes. That they are a partner with you in the gospel. Come on now. Anybody so thankful that you have people in your life that have partnered with you in the gospel. Come on. I'm thanking God. I thank God every time I pray about you. I tell you what, for me, this is so personal for me because what Paul is doing is he's writing to the church that he started in Philippi. And, and I, can, I can totally relate to him on this because I can tell you that every single day when I pray for my church... When I pray for focus, I thank my God for each and every single one of you. Why? Because we have chosen to partner together in the gospel. Yesterday, we made an impact in 30 kids' lives. Come on, somebody. That we have chosen to partner together. And I thank my God every single time because of each and every single one of you. He continues on. And he says, from the first day until now being confident in of this i don't know about you but i am confident in my god anybody confident in their god today i am confident in my god that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of christ jesus i am so confident in my god the question i have for you today is Are you confident? Because see, here's the thing that I don't know. I am confident in who God is. I know that I know that he is my Lord and my Savior. But there are times (laughs) when I'm confident, but I'm a little conflicted. My good friend, Pastor Daniel Voss, he says that. He's like, man, I'm confident, but I'm conflicted at times. Anybody believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he has accomplished what he says he is and that he's going to continue that good work that he has inside of you? You're confident of it, but but there's some moments where I'm a little conflicted, right? I believe, but Jesus helped me in my unbelief. Is that speaking to anybody today? I don't know about you, but, but I'm confident in my God. I am confident that he is who he says he is, because I read it in Scripture. It says this in Deuteronomy 31. It says, be strong and courageous. I'm here to tell you today, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of this world, because of the situations that you're going through, because of the drama that's in your life. Don't be terrified by it. No, instead be strong and courageous, for the Lord goes with you. Come on now. He will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, this is so powerful that it is, it is quoted again in Hebrews, and the author says it, he quotes this again in Hebrews, and he says, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say this with confidence, except for the times that we're a little conflicted, right? See, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but, but I am confident because, because I, I've seen how God has brought me through I remember how he has brought me up out of all of that junk that I used to be in. He's brought me through some difficult situations. He has been with me and my wife. He he watches over my children. I, I know it, but there are times when a situation arises and I just think, I'm not sure about this one. I'm not sure how this is gonna go. Because God, if you're with me, then how can there... Why is it so tough right now? It's difficult right now. I'm confident in the fact that, that he who began a good work is going to carry it on to completion. I don't even know if this is a good work happening. Did it even start as a good work? Because, because my life was tough before. And I needed a savior. And so I said yes to Jesus. Jesus. But it didn't seem like anything happened. A good work? Hey, how about Paul? He said, I'm confident in this, that the good work that he began in you. You wanna know how things started out for Paul and Philippi? Here's how it started out for Paul and Philippi. We gotta to go to Acts. Acts chapter 16 tells the story of Paul and Silas going into Philippi. And things, they start preaching about how Jesus is amazing and wonderful and the good news of Jesus. And a couple people get saved, and they think, man, this is fantastic. So they go into the city, and they keep telling people. They go to where people are praying, and they're like, hey, these are people that are seeking God. So let's tell them about who Jesus is. And as they're walking through the city, this happens. Once when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling we got fortune tellers still around today, right? And this is an aspect of there's a spiritual realm that we live in, and there's a spiritual enemy that we have. There's light and there's dark, and I can tell you that the darkness will not overcome the light. This is not a yin and yang type of thing, that, that we serve a God who is powerful over all things, okay? Right. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, somebody. And so Paul and Silas knew this, and Paul and Silas were walking around with confidence, and this girl, day after day after day, was just sitting there spouting off, hey, this is who Paul and Silas are, and she's yelling at everybody, and it got to a point where they were just annoyed. They were just annoyed with this girl. Can I tell you something? That's how I see the work of the spiritual enemy in my life. Just an annoying little loud mouth get out of here yeah. and that's exactly how paul responds he's like enough is enough i tell you what why don't you spirit get out of this girl go ahead and go on your own business and then he walked away he didn't need to have some crazy huge service going on and people shaking all over the place it wasn't like that at all he just said the words gone over and done with greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world yeah. just annoying little loudmouth. that's all you are to me i'm following my lord and my savior and I'm keeping my eye on him. I'm not giving you any power over my life. Come on now. Yeah. Carry that with you. And so, this girl is owned by these people. She's a slave. Well, now, they've just lost their moneymaker. They're upset. They start riling things up, and they get, they get the magistrates involved. So guess where Paul and Silas end up? In prison. He who began a good work in you. You know where that good work began in Philippi? In prison. You think that you have a tough situation? The good work started in prison. You're like, man, I feel like like that's where my good work is starting right now. Sure, I'm confident, but this is hard. Can we just be honest with ourselves? It's okay in church to admit that there are times that we have a little bit of doubt. Like I don't think it is, Pastor. You're on your own up there. <laughs> the lightning is going to strike, and I'm going to be back here. Right? Like, because it's true. Let's just admit it. It's true. I'm confident, but I'm a little conflicted. When do those moments of conflict really happen for us? When do they arise? I don't know about you, but for me, the first place that I feel like it happens when I get a little bit, I'm not sure about this. Is when the lowest of the lows happen, right? It's so when the lowest of the lows, like when a life situation comes. I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting this kind of medical news. Come on, God, I've, I've served you faithfully. And so why is cancer now in our family? I've served you faithfully. So why is this financial situation now coming around? Why? When the lowest of the lows happen, I don't know about you, but those are moments when I just get a little bit, I'm not sure, God. We had a great time when we were on our sabbatical, but I can tell you this, that, that it was difficult as well. Because in the three weeks that we were gone, we had some serious issues that arose in our church. Just with different families here and there. And we carried that. Even the the, the team—they know like, you don't call me unless it's life and death. And sure enough, we got calls because it was carrying through that. And 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 I ever see every situation that came, I was like, "Oh man, that is horrible. We got to pray about that one." And we started praying right away. And and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, right when we were coming back from our sabbatical, uh, a pastor buddy of mine, uh, Welby Pierce, love you, brother. I know you're gonna be watching this one later on. Uh, he texted me, and he was like, hey, man, how was, how was your sabbatical? And I was like, you know, it was a little bit difficult this time. And I, and I texted him. I'm sitting there texting. This is not usual for me to be able to put that much stuff in a text message. Like I said, if you know me, this is the text that you're getting from me. Fist bump, fire, fist bump. That's it. I don't communicate. I don't communicate on text message because you can't read into what's going on. But I just, I just said, man, I, this is what's going on, and I just listed them. And then as I listed them, all of a sudden I was like, man, that's a lot. And then I really realized that it was a lot because his response to me was this. How many of y'all know, right? You got that text. You wrote what's going on inside and somebody's like, "Uh, oh, oh, man. Somebody just responds, bro, I don't even know. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's when those moments, I'm confident, but but I'm a little conflicted. I don't know about you, but but the lowest of the low moments, they, they hit me. And it brings a little sliver of a doubt. Let me help you today. You're not the only one. You're not the first one to go through a moment like that, and you're not the last one. The good work that started in Paul, you want to know the life that Paul led? Check out the life that Paul led in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, okay, I'm going to let you know a little bit about my journey and my life. This is what it looks like for Paul. He said, I've worked much harder, and I've I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again five times. I've received the 40 lashes minus one because 40 they felt was going to kill you. So we'll just go 39. He did it five times. He's not done. Continue on. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I'm not going on any trips with Paul. I'm just letting you know. You go on your own cruise, Paul. All right? I spent the night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. Wait, he's not done yet. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in the sea, in danger in false believers. The boy's in danger quite a bit. (laughs) He's not done. I have labored and toiled and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I've gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides all of that, Every single day, I carry the burden for all of the churches. I carry a burden for you. On top of all of those things, the thing that weighs on me the most is your faith and your hope in Jesus. I don't know about you, but there are moments in my life where I am confident in who God is, but I'm a little bit conflicted. I've been going through some hard times. You might be going through some hard times. And you think to yourself, why is this happening to me? Why? Let me help you with this. My hope for you in the middle of those low moments in your life is that I can help you have a a shift in your perspective about that moment. Let me me help you with a shift in your mindset. So maybe even if you're in that moment right now, maybe I can help shift a mindset for you. James chapter 1 says this. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials. I don't know. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, right? What on earth? That is so counterintuitive. Why would I consider this joy? I'll tell you what's joy, roller coasters. Let's go on a roller coaster. That's fun. Let's go to an amusement park. Well, an amusement park when it's raining outside so there's not as many people and I can get in the front line. Come on, that's joy, right? (laughs) Trials? Oh you mean like you mean like an easy trial <laughs> of many kinds consider it joy why on earth would you consider it joy when you're going through a trial because here's what I'm going to tell you is happening inside of your life a trial is like a fire isn't it and it hurts it burns Consider it joy when you're going through the fire. Because when you're going through the fire, something is happening inside of you. Something is happening inside of your spirit. Something is happening to your faith. You have a choice when you're going through the trial. And the choice is your mindset. Let me encourage you to have joy be your mindset. Because when you're in the middle of the trial, this is what can happen To your faith. He says this in 3, 4. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith when you're going through those low moments, consider it joy because all of a sudden now your faith will have perseverance. It doesn't just stop at perseverance. Let the perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Not lacking anything. Come on now that's the goal for your faith to be mature and complete and not lacking anything see too many times for each and every single one of us we settle for a fragile faith when faith is brand new it's fragile it can be broken and so you're we're carrying it around on this little comforter pillow like careful I'm going to drop this. My faith is so fragile right now. Is that sustainable for the rest of your life? No. God's plan for you is not to have a fragile faith. Because here's the danger of a fragile faith. A fragile faith is not dependent upon God. A fragile faith is dependent upon your current circumstances. Man, that sounds horrible when it's said out loud, doesn't it? But too many Christians settle for a fragile faith. I'll have faith in you as long as my circumstances are just fine. When you go through the fire, here's what happens when you put iron in the fire. When you put iron in the fire, you take it out and it becomes hardened steel. It's not fragile any longer, so you should consider it pure joy that you're going through the fire because you're thankful that God is forging you in the fire. I don't have a faith that is dependent upon my circumstances. I have a faith that is dependent upon God. It doesn't matter what kind of situation that I'm in. It doesn't matter if I'm in prison. It doesn't matter if I'm getting beaten. It doesn't matter if people are making fun of me because I know that my faith in God is rock solid. I know that I know that I know who my Lord is. And so consider it pure joy when you're going through those low moments. You're in a low moment right now. Let me encourage you. Change that mindset. God, I know that you're doing a work inside of my life. And help me to have perseverance so I can get to a place where I'm mature and not lacking anything. So that I know who you are. And my faith is in you and not my circumstances. That's the confidence that we have in God. There's moments that we go through that we're confident but a little, a little conflicted. In the lowest of the lows. You know the other times that we feel we're confident but a little conflicted? It's in everyday life. We get a little bit conflicted just in everyday life, just in in how we're moving through life. Jesus, man, I love the teachings of Jesus and the parables and the way he tells stories. And my favorite parable is the parable of the sower. And Jesus is giving this teaching about the dangers that our faith faces. And the situations that arise that are dangerous to our faith. He talks about somebody who who has a hard heart and and they don't even want to hear the word of God. They just just re- immediately reject it, right? They talk about somebody who who hears the word of God and they get excited about it, but then a circumstance comes along, the heat of life comes and and it withers it out. And then he talks about he talks about somebody who hears the word of God, but all of a sudden the faith is growing, and then and then their faith gets Choked out. It's just choked out. And it says by weeds, these weeds come and choke out someone's faith. And I, I love this parable because, because a lot of parables, Jesus doesn't give the meaning of it, and and you're still like, what, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know what that means. why did you put a, a gold coin in a fish's mouth? I don't understand what's going on. This one he gives the meaning of it. I love that so much. Thank you, Jesus, right? And and what he tells us is what chokes out our faith, I think is so important for us. He says this in Matthew 13. He said, the seed falling among the thorns and refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word. Let me help you with what the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth are. Everyday life. I gotta get this person to school. I gotta get this one after school. I gotta be able to get over here and I gotta be able to get to work. I gotta be able to pay... I gotta make, I gotta pay for this after-school activity. I gotta be able to make this car payment. I gotta be able to do this. I gotta be able to do that. I can't believe my boss just said that to me at work. That's just horrible. I'm gonna go tell somebody about it, and then we're gonna be able to just, we're gonna be able to interact because of how bad our boss is all of the time. And, and then, I, can you, and what are you thinking about? You're thinking about everyday life, instead of thinking about the one who created the everyday. Your focus is upon the situations that are in front of you instead of your focus on the one that came over, made you an overcomer of those circumstances. It's not the questions of like, it's not the big questions that we're always concerned with that, that choke out our faith. How could a loving God allow famine on this earth? That's not what chokes out your faith. That's somebody that just has a hard heart already. How could a loving God allow tragedy like this on just kids? That's somebody who just has a hard heart. What chokes out your faith is the everyday mundane, not a high, not a low, just the meh. And you don't focus on God. And then the next thing you know, you ask the question, God, where are you? And he's like, I'm right here with you. But you've become so accustomed to not hearing. you become so accustomed to not looking that you don't even hear God speaking to you. And you don't even see how he's working in your life. Let me tell you something today. If you really wanna be able to know where God is, spend time with him. Because proximity breeds intimacy. And so the more time that you spend with God, reading his word, worshiping him, talking about him with other people, the more time that you're focused upon him, the more that you're going to see him, the more that you're going to understand how he's working in your life. I don't know about you, but there are moments in my life that it doesn't seem like it's good or bad. I've just lost focus on God. And now those are the moments that are so dangerous for us. I'm confident. I'm a little conflicted as well. I just don't know about this whole God thing. Because you've allowed your everyday life to become more important than the one who gave it to you. Confident and conflicted. It happens in the lowest of the lows, it happens in the everyday life. It can happen when you have the highest of the highs, too. No, 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 that's, man, when, I, when things are going great, like, that's the time I celebrate Jesus, right? Yeah, absolutely. Good things happen to you. Miracles take place, blessings, unexpected blessings that are around. Man, you celebrate Jesus, right? You celebrate him, and it's amazing, and it's a great time, and all of those things in your life. Man, my life, now, hey, my life is good. Somebody asks you a question, hey, how's life? And you're like, yeah, actually, it's really good right now. Like, it's a surprise or something like that, you know? And you're celebrating. And you're like, well, what? Why? why is that a time when I get confident and conflicted? <laughs> because when life starts going that well, we kind of let our guard down, don't we? You know this to be true. Somebody's got a medical issue going on, and so they go to the doctor, and they get, they get medication, heart medication, antidepressants, whatever it is that's going on and things start going well. And then you say to yourself, hey, I'm feeling pretty good. So what do you do? Stop taking the medication. And then you're wondering like, why do I feel so bad now? Why are things so horrible right now? Hello? It's the same thing with God. Thank you, Jesus, for that great breakthrough. Now I don't have to worry about it anymore. And the pressure is gone and no more pressure and I can just let my guard down. And the next thing you know, I've got a situation that's coming around and I'm even worse than I was before. The prophet Elijah had a moment just like that. He's on a mountaintop having a a battle going on with, with all of these false prophets. It's him against hundreds of false prophets. And he says, hey, let's build an altar and don't don't light the thing on fire. We're going to make our God light it on fire. So you go ahead and pray to your God and I'm going to pray to my God. They pray to their God. They're doing everything. He's even mocking them. He's talking trash. He's a trash talking prophet. That's what he is. He's like, hey, why don't you shout a little bit louder? Maybe he's sleeping, right? I love that so much, man. And then he just says a simple prayer to, to our God. He says, God, show everybody. Fire comes down from heaven and lights the whole thing up. A victorious mountaintop victory. And then in a moment, he gets a letter from this evil queen that says, now I'm going to kill you. And you know what he does? He runs away scared, full of fear, and then tells God, why don't you just kill me? He gets to a point of suicide. Right after a mountaintop victory. When when are we confident but conflicted? In the lowest of the lows, in everyday life, in the highest of the highs. Let me help you all the time. (laughs) There There are moments in our life that we are confident, but we're conflicted about what God is doing. Are you sure you're going to come through for me in that moment? Can you be honest with yourself for a moment and say, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. I might even be in it right now. I believe, but God help my unbelief because there's some doubt that's creeping in. I'm not just going to tell you that we're confident and conflicted. No, I mean, let me tell you today, there's hope in the conflict. Amen. Yeah. There is hope for you in the conflict. Let's go back to Paul. And Paul says this. These people that, that have been in the middle of conflict, they started off in prison. And Paul's talking about these different conflicts that we face. And he gives them the goal. This church in Philippi, he gives them the goal that each and every single one of us want to be able to face. And he says this in chapter 3, verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know that I know that I know that he is who he says he is. I want to know him. I want to know all of the good things about Jesus. I want to know all the tough things. I want to be able to share and experience everything that Jesus has to offer and experience. I want to know him. I want to be confident at all times. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want to be able to walk in that, in the lowest of the lows, every single day that I'm just following Jesus, in the highest of the highs. I don't need this conflict anymore. I want to know Christ. <laughs> but Paul encourages him. And he says, I want to know Christ, but, and go to verse 12. It's not that I've already obtained this. I'm not there yet. I haven't got there yet. There's confidence, but it's conflicted at times. It's not that I've attained it yet. I haven't arrived at my goal. I haven't arrived at my goal. I want to know that I know that I know. I want to be confident at all times. I haven't obtained it yet. But then he says this. Go on the next one. Go on the next one. But I press on. <laughs> Come, yeah. on Come on now. See, I'm here to tell you, go back to that one before, that when the conflict arises, you have a choice in it. That. Right. You have a choice. What are you going to do in the middle of the conflict? You can give up and quit. And so many people have just given up and quit. But Paul says, no, I press on. No, I'm not there yet, but I press on toward that goal that's in front of me. I want to know Christ, and I might be in a difficult situation right now. I haven't obtained it yet, but I'm going to continue to press on. I'm going after what God has for me. You have a choice in this. When you get to a point where you're conflicted in your faith, when you're not sure how God is going to come through for you, the choice is yours. (laughs) I don't want a fragile faith. I don't want to have a fragile faith that's dependent upon upon my circumstances. I don't want to have a fragile faith that's dependent upon my feelings. I want to have a rock-solid faith that is dependent upon God. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to press on. The choice is yours. How are you going to respond? I'm going to press on. How are you going to respond? You're going to go ahead and take that conflict that you feel inside of you. You're going to play around with it a little bit. You're going to get down in the dumps. And you're just going to say, oh, you know what? I just, I just don't know anymore. I just don't know anymore. I just don't know anymore. Or you're going to say, no, enough of that. I'm going to press on. Yeah. There's hope in the conflict. Because there's a choice in the conflict. And that choice is yours. I don't know about you. I'm going to press on. And then I love this, verse 13, he says it again. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to taking hold of it. He says it again. I haven't obtained it. I haven't considered myself yet to taking hold of it. He says it again to them. But one thing I do, I'm going to forget about all that junk. I'm going to forget about my failures. I'm going to forget about all my weaknesses in the past. Instead, I press on, someone said, press on today. The choice is yours how are you going to respond the hope in the conflict is that there's choice in the conflict and how are you going to press on because you might say yes i want to but how do you keep pressing on see i said that we had an issue we had issues that were happening during our sabbatical i got back And I saw that text message that I sent. And all of a sudden, I felt to myself a little bit of conflict rising up. Oh, my goodness, that's a lot. And so you know what happens? (laughs) I say it again. I press on. Paul said it twice. Why did he say it twice? So you could hear it, and so he could hear it again. Because there's moments when the conflict becomes so much You need to preach yourself up out of that junk on the higher ground. No, 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 no. I'm not going to be able to settle for this. I'm going to start feeling this way, but I'm going to preach myself up. No, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I am confident of this, that that you began a good work inside of me, and you're going to carry it on to completion. You've never left me before. You've never forsaken me before. And what am I doing? I am literally preaching myself up out of that junk. You got to preach yourself up out of that junk. Don't settle for what the enemy is trying to tell you. Don't settle for those lies that are coming in. Don't settle for that disbelief. You make the choice. I press on. Somebody say press on today. <laughs> and then there's moments. There's moments when we can't. There's moments when we're trying to press on. There's moments when we're trying to preach out out of it. But the moment is too big. The emotion is too big. How can I press on when it feels like I'm just being pressed down? I don't know if I have the strength inside of me. On that Monday morning, I was feeling like I was getting pressed down. And so you know what I did after I was trying to preach myself up and I couldn't do it? I immediately texted five of the closest pastor buddies that I had. And I said, pray for me in this. I need help in this. Mentor me through this. And you know what happened? In that day, I had five phone calls. I had five people that were reaching out to me. And you know what they began to do to me? They began to preach me up on out of it. Because I couldn't do it myself. I couldn't get there myself. And they kept telling me, come on, you know you got this because God's got you. And that by the end of the day, whoo, by the end of the day on that Monday, I'll tell you what I was doing. I wasn't on my knees anymore. I wasn't begging God to be able to come through for me anymore. You know what I was doing by the end of that day? Oh, you want to come after me? Oh, you want to come after me? I'll tell you what, you're going to come after me. Come on, sucker. And I'm dancing around inside of my office. I'm not even playing around inside my office because all of a sudden my boys around me, they were preaching me up out of that junk and they got me to higher ground. Because I can tell you, as for me and my house, we will press on. Come on somebody, the choice is yours. What are you going to do? I don't know about you, but I will press on. You might be confident, but you're conflicted and there is hope because there's a choice. And the choice is yours. What are you gonna do? I will press on. Come on, church, why don't you stand up today? I don't need to preach anymore. I've already got that wolf rise up inside of your spirit. You're feeling it. So now it's a moment for you to be able to raise that wolf up, let out a little howl, and begin to praise the name of Jesus. Come on, church, let's go ahead and do it. Witness.